Welcome to Screw the Hierarchy, episode 147. This is your host, Deb Falzoy, and this week we're talking about hashtag GE2. GE2 is a movement across the country and internationally that supports women and minority workers at GE in advocating for their rights to work in a psychologically safe work environment. I'm talking with its founder, Alex Horn, and she's going to talk about the progress that they've made with GE2 and what's happening at at companies across the country. Are you ready to hear what Alex has to say? If you're a target of workplace abuse and want to break free of the grips of abusive power, you found your place. I'm your host, Deb Falzoy, and the podcast begins now. Before I get started today, I want to talk about Patreon. I have a new Patreon account at patreon.com slash screw the hierarchy. And I have a really quick survey on there about what kind of rewards you'd like. Everything from early access to episodes to exclusive episodes, behind the scenes content. Welcome, Alex. Thanks so much for speaking with me today. I want to start off with just um, just like a background of the basics on GE. So what GE does, what states it's in, if you can kind of speak to, to that, we'll start there. Absolutely. And thanks for having me on today, Deb. I, I greatly appreciate this chance to, to chat with you and your organization has done you know, amazing things. And I love keeping up with your efforts. Uh, it's amazing to see others standing up and fighting back. So thank you for that. In terms of GE, I mean, it's a pretty well-known company, right? It's been around since, oh gosh, 1892 in one form or another. Um, So many subsidiaries, GE Aviation, GE Healthcare, GE Energy, uh, you name it, they probably have some type of service there. They are an international conglomerate, as people know. Um, The exact number of offices varies depending on the month you uh, take the count, but they are in upwards of 46 states and over 130 countries. So they are a very, very large company. You know, at one point they had over 300,000 employees worldwide. And with layoffs and and downsizing, that number's now um, hovering, I think, around 170,000. But with these multinational conglomerates, they they tend to have a hand in, in just about every industry. Um, GE Aviation, which was the subsidiary I worked for, very, very large Department of Defense contractor. So they get a lot of defense contracts, a lot of government funding. And they also provide a lot of the commercial aircraft engines for a lot of the airlines that that we have in this country and abroad. And and books have been written on GE. That's just the uh, the 10,000 foot overview. Just to give everyone a little introduction. Yeah, I didn't realize they were in that many states. That's yeah. okay. Wow. Um, so you started hashtag GE2. Um, can you tell us about like what that is and what prompted you to, to start that? Sure, sure, absolutely. I worked at GE Aviation for roughly two years. I was a software engineer there, particularly focused on some of their cybersecurity. And it quickly became evident that cybersecurity is 
about the last thing on GE's list that they're worried about. And when you think of all the national security implications that they handle on their servers and in their infrastructure, uh, that that was a terrifying notion to me. So I began to to speak with my management team and their managers saying, hey, this is a problem. We need to shore up the cybersecurity or we're we're risking a lot more than just the company's reputation. There are national security implications here. And without going too much into detail, things deteriorated pretty quick after I raised my concerns. And that's when it became evident to me the true culture of GE. There's the GE that that sounds great and the marketing pitches and the commercials you see. And then there's the real GE. Eventually, I was forced out of the company. And naively, I thought this was a unique experience. Maybe I was just in a, a bad department or had a poor management team. So out of curiosity, I reached out to a few coworkers. Uh, and they're like, no, this is not isolated by any means. And it seems like each person I spoke with knew of three or four other people who had experienced something similar. And pretty soon I, I recognized that there are hundreds, if not thousands of people who've gone through this. And it snowballed. You know, it snowballed into phone calls and instant messages and realizing that all of us had this in common, but really had nowhere to turn. I spoke with the individuals who created Apple II, if you're familiar with that organization, and really followed their model. Um, set up GE2 to be a, a space for victims to connect, to chat about their experience, to know that they're not alone, especially at such a large company. And the stories I've heard, you know, they're troubling. They're troubling. Not only how individuals were treated, but getting into some very, very scary details about commercial aircraft engines, about situations happening abroad, about bribery and, and fraud that goes on within the company. And that alone was shocking. And pretty soon, hundreds of people started reaching out to GE2, and we've even had people outside of GE reach out to us. You know, we've had folks from Apple, from Tesla, from Google, from Twitter, from Uber. So many large companies have reached out. I've recently partnered with a group known as Justice for Evan, if you're familiar with them. Mm -hmm. It's actually a... Uh, an employee of the Kroger company, which is headquartered here in, in Cincinnati, who was bullied so mercilessly that he ended up taking his own life. Uh, and since then, his family and friends have been uh, pursuing legal action and putting pressure on Kroger to take action and to change their culture because it is not an isolated case. And they're actually protesting in, in downtown Cincinnati this evening. So really, it was an effort to make people feel connected. Uh, as you know, going through this experience can be devastating, right? Not only the, the physical and mental aspects of it, but careers are destroyed, families are destroyed, lives are destroyed. 
so it started out as a way to to support others and slowly it's it's snowballed into this legal movement we now have lawyers supporting us and working together with other whistleblowers from around the world to tackle this problem and unfortunately you know it's not isolated to ge it's not isolated to defense contractors and it's not isolated to the united states it is really an international problem and anything we can do to support people in this situation i think it's our responsibility not everyone has the ability to speak up and speak out about what happened to them so those of us that do have that ability it's our responsibility yeah i love that i love i love what you've grown and you know just yeah that sense of responsibility and like knowing that it's it's not isolated to these specific companies but it's just this it's a big cultural problem that's happening you know in the u.s and internationally um what i loved when i saw like right front and center on your website is it says women and minorities of ge you are not underrepresented you are systematically excluded just i think that just nails it um so what do you think that GE is doing to create a toxic culture for women and minorities? And we'll start there. Um, Cause I'm also curious as to why anti-discrimination law isn't enough to address this issue. Sure. Um, and that's from the outside looking in, it can be deceiving because GE goes out of their way to recruit women. Uh, they talk about events they have for women, awards they provide to women and they do employ quite a few women but it's once women are within the company is when that discrimination and that toxic culture really takes effect and from my own experience and witnessing what other women go through GE management will go out of their way to subtly at first you know make women know they're not welcome Things like, and this happened to me dozens of times, when I would be asked a question during a group meeting, or I would be explaining my work in a group meeting, men will purposefully interrupt and not let women complete their sentences. And this is prevalent throughout the company. And it just gets worse from there. We won't talk about the physical and sexual abuse that goes on within GE, but just the, the cultural aspect. Women are systematically paid less, and GE doesn't even go out of their way to cover that up. Mm. They're passed over for training opportunities. Uh, rarely are women promoted. And it's just a horrific, horrific culture. If women will raise a concern, oftentimes... You know, A, not only is it not investigated, they'll then proceed to either transfer the woman to a different department or force them out of the company altogether. And as you know, the, there are so many tactics employed in a toxic workplace, the gaslighting, the small demeaning offhand comments. And it's really, I can only liken it to the the Lord of the Flies, if you're familiar with that, everyone's out for their own survival. 
and they will go out of their way to sabotage your work and they will you know, throw you under the bus in an instant if it makes them look better. Gatekeeping's very common. And sadly, I could go on for hours about what different women have told me. And I, I do want to stress it is not only uh, women who suffer this, uh, minorities, specifically African-Americans, they are treated equally poorly at GE. So on the outside looking in, great company, right? Um, great reputation, plenty of opportunities. But once you get inside those doors, it's it's a different world. It really is. Hmm. Did some of the women and minorities who you've spoken with, like, pursue anti-discrimination, uh, anti-discrimination lawsuit? Or, like, what, what actually happened with that avenue, if anything? Absolutely. Quite a few um, have and still are pursuing legal options. Uh, the big hurdle they come across is that GE, like many large companies, uh, they have a practice known as forced arbitration, meaning that to be employed at GE, you have to sign a piece of paper that says, hey, you cannot sue us if we discriminate or if you're, you're treated differently from male colleagues, if you experience sexual discrimination. And, and as you know, there's been plenty of legal challenges there and every once in a while, a GE employee is successful. Um, they either have a, an amazing lawyer or they're just tenacious enough to break through those legal defenses. But the majority of people are locked into that forced arbitration clause, meaning that they have to sit in an arbitration or a mediation session with a GE chosen mediator or arbitrator and we all know how that's going to end. And the, the really sad thing is there's also a gag clause, meaning that once you sit through that arbitration, you can't say a thing about it publicly. You can't talk about how unfair the process is. You can't talk about how biased these arbitrators are. Because if you do, GE will sue you for breach of contract. And they have done that. They have done that to plenty of people. Wow. So those of us who have have not signed that gag clause or been bound by that, we're going out of our way to speak up because so many people can't. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's such a classic case in this, like with workplace abuse of, you know, employers policing themselves. And then what I always say is, you know, the people in power, write the rules to keep themselves in power. So within that um, idea, how do we, what do we need to do to, to address forced arbitration? What do we need to do to go up against it? Great question. And that is the million dollar question. I, I wish I had a perfect answer for you. I don't know if I do, but I know what we're doing right now is a huge step drawing attention to it. Um, either through websites, through movements like GE2 and Apple2, Justice for Evan group protesting this afternoon, uh, just letting the public know that this is happening. You'd be shocked at how many people are, are absolutely dumbfounded when I tell them uh, about these things happening, not only within GE, but several other well-known companies. 
I think people just aren't aware of it. So a huge step is getting the word out there. It can be something as subtle as liking a Facebook post where someone is talking about their experience, sharing a post on social media, joining some of these movements and these protests. I think that's the biggest step. A, that puts pressure on our lawmakers, right? They don't want to lose votes. We all know how powerful that tool can be. We have to put pressure on our legislature. And the more people that are aware of what's happening, the more pressure that's going to create. In addition to that, we have to exhaust every legal avenue we have. And you know that can be a, an arduous process that takes years I apologize, Mr. Bugs has stopped in to say hi here. <laughs> Everyone loves a big orange tabby, right? <laughs> um, fortunately, lawmakers have, have taken notice, especially of this forced arbitration clause. I think we'll discuss a little later the FAIR Act, which has been introduced. Um, so it's working. Our efforts are working. I mean, in the media recently, uh, so many stories about the Facebook whistleblower about what's going on at Apple, Uber, uh, the whistleblower at Uber was, was headline news recently. So it's working. You know, it's a painful uphill battle. It really is, but it's working. So we just have to keep at it. We have to keep fighting. You know, it's a long fight and we have to keep that in perspective. What has been the, the response from uh, reporters specifically around GE2 have, or um, so you mentioned like they're them paying more attention to these stories but have has there what kind of traction has GE2 had with, with the media? Sure great question. Initially I didn't approach media. It wasn't my intent to to draw national attention to this issue at first. It was more supporting uh, those victims at GE but quickly I realized after launching GE2, and reporters are interested in this, large media conglomerates, local media, independent media, they've all reached out. And the one thing that, that absolutely shocked me is that none of them were surprised when I told them what was happening at GE, not one of them. And that speaks volumes. I spoke to one gentleman from Business Insider he didn't even bat an eye. He said, Alex, you know, the, the companies around the world that I, I work with and I deal with, this is so much more common than you may think. So everything that I, I told them, which to me is shocking, right? These things are happening every day, everywhere. The fact that they weren't even shocked by it, it was really disturbing for me. Yeah, yeah. So there um, has been coverage uh, you know, we have to be very careful what we publish and what we don't, because we do have legal challenges out there that we don't want to interfere with. And as you know, media, journalists especially, that can be a double-edged sword. You never know where loyalties lie. But for the most part, the media as a whole has been very supportive of our effort. That's great. Um, so I do want to talk about the FAIR Act and what's going on with it, what it will do. Um, can you kind of give us a like a, a overview of, of that and what the status of it is right now? Sure, sure. And the FAIR Act, it's known as the Forced 
Arbitration Injustice Repeal Act. So it's a mouthful, uh, but it was introduced in uh, the House in 2022, I believe, was, was the last official introduction. And what it aims to do is simply prevent companies from using this forced arbitration because it is a powerful tool used by many of the top companies out, out there, um, many of the top tech companies. Not only do they use it on their employees, but it also targets consumers as well. Uh, so if consumers have a, a product that's faulty or that injures them, they're locked into this arbitration as well. And what the FAIR Act aims to do is level the playing fields. Uh, it makes it so companies cannot force us into arbitration. We always have the option to elect to go that route if we choose. But what it does is it allows us to access the corporate system, which in our minds, that's our right. We should be able to do that. And a group of lawmakers has recognized that. And so a group of mostly Democrats, a handful of Republicans, uh, made a motion in front of the House to to pass this bill. And after quite a bit of uh, spirited debates, we'll say, it did pass the House. So far, the, the Senate has not been very supportive. However, there has been a push, and I'm sure plenty of things going on behind the scenes to garner support for that. So at the moment, it has passed the House. And it is still in Senate waiting to be addressed. It gets shuffled to a, a subcommittee here and there, and it gets discussed. Unfortunately, it, it hasn't quite gained enough traction to get through the Senate, but we're hopeful, especially with the media attention surrounding a lot of these workplace issues. We think the support for this act is going to grow stronger, and eventually there will be enough pressure on our lawmakers to push this through the Senate and, and put it into law. Mm. Um, do you know if there's an active FAIR Act this session? or It has been introduced. Okay. Uh, so far, action has not been taken on it. It's been tabled for the moment. Uh, but it has been introduced into this session of Congress. Okay. Do you happen to know the bill number offhand? or? Um, you know, I don't, but I could easily pull that up here online. Yeah. And yeah, it'd be great to to um, point people to a bill number where we can, you know, ask them, ask listeners to um, reach out to their federal legislators to support this. Absolutely. And it looks like the number here in the 117th Congress was HR 963. Okay. HR Also known as the FAIR Act of 2022. Great. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. Um, is there any, are there any like parting words you'd like to leave for, for listeners about any of this? Right, right. Absolutely. You're not alone. Hundreds of thousands of people have gone through this. And if you are a victim, no matter what company you worked at, no matter what type of discrimination or harassment has happened to you, just know you're not alone look online, you know, reach out in social media, you will be surprised at how many people have shared this experience. And it's not just limited to women and minorities. 
I've heard stories of, of men, middle-aged Caucasian men that have suffered greatly as well. So it's not just limited to, to women and minorities, but reach out. It's devastating. It is, but you're not alone. And we're only gathering more soldiers, if you will reach out as you know, having just a talk with a, a person in, in our situation can be hugely supportive. I know organizations that will do monthly roundtables where they provide psychologists to talk to people who have gone through this. And if you have the legal ability, speak up, fight back. By no means do we want you to compromise any, any legal agreements you have or contractual agreements. But nothing will change if we keep sweeping this under the rug. So reach out, reach out to me, reach out to Deb, you know, reach out to, to any organization that seems to support this cause. They can put you in touch with uh, different resources in your local area. But just know you're not alone. Thank you for that. And thank you for the incredible work you're doing, Alex. This is like just the, yeah, that validation that you give people by speaking out yourself and just that I, I, I keep hearing of people like just feeling the sense of relief when they're connected to people who've been through similar experiences. And then the more they understand how it works, they can detach from it more and realize that this is this is not about them. It is a cultural issue built on stereotypes and yeah, it is not going to change without our collective actions. So thank you for being like such a strong voice in this space. Um, and thank you for being on here um, and for all the work that you're doing. Can, can you just uh, let us know actually how, what the website is that people can go to, to reach out to you? Um, Absolutely. It is G E two dot us so that's g-e-t-o-o -O dot us and there you'll find links to get in touch with me to get in touch with other members there's even a forum on there if you'd like to chat with others who have had this experience and just start the conversation and in that turn deb thank you for all that that you do dignity together is a, is a huge supporter and we recognize that and we we often will will put victims in, in touch with your organization it's just because they need all the support they can get. And I know the efforts of your organization in, in Massachusetts and other areas is greatly admired. So thank you for fighting that battle right along with us. Thank you for listening to Screw the Hierarchy. If you feel like you need more help, I have a free guide to recovery steps at dignitytogether.org targets and a sign up for daily boosts through your inbox at the same place. All of the content in this podcast was created and edited by yours truly, Deb Falzoy, and the music you heard is from Kevin McLeod. All right, have a wonderful rest of your week and I will see you on the next episode. Bye.